When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. Welcome to the Hockey Royalty Podcast, episode number 16, the unofficial podcast of RinkRoyalty.com. Hey guys, it's episode number 16, that means it's sweet 16 for us, how nice. <laughs> Anyways, I'm Scott Kidville. Before we get going, I want to let you know you can find us on social media. You can find us at Twitter, at, I'm sorry, Royalty underscore pod, and also at Rink Royalty. You can find us at Facebook, and now you can find us on Instagram as well. So we got a really cool show lined up for you tonight. Uh, it's an Ontario Rain-flavored kind of show. But before we get going, I want to bring in our panel. First of all, our fearless leader, Mr. Ryan Sykes. What's going on, Ryan? Hey, Scott. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. And up next, we got Russell Morgan. What's up, Russ? All right. Well, that's all right. He'll be back. <laughs> it's a good good start. <laughs> hey, hey, what's a great podcast without some technical difficulties, right? <laughs> all right. Well, while we're waiting for Russ to come back, we also got a third member of our panel, Mr. Jack Weber. What's going on, Jack? Not too much, Scott. Uh, always good to talk some hockey with you guys. All right. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. And it looks like Russ is back. Russ, can you hear us? I am here. Sorry about that, guys. Good to be here. That, that's okay. That's okay. Like I said, always got to overcome some technical difficulties. It's all good. All right. So now that we got that out of the way, I want to bring in our guests. Coming to us from our very own Ontario reign of the AHL. We got the one. We got the only. Mr. Boko Amama. Boko, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. How's it going out there tonight, all right? Yeah, going pretty good, as usual. 
right. How's the weather? Hey, Belker, how's the weather out there? Our weather's been pretty nice, especially uh, this week, last week. So we've been enjoying it. You know, a couple of trips uh, to the beach, for sure. And you guys are off all this week, right? How are you keeping busy? Oh, like I said, it was pretty much uh, the beach uh, all weekend outside. So there's uh, guys with uh, pretty nice uh, suntan. <laughs> who, uh, you guys go to the beach? Who, uh, who's the group? Uh, who's the group of guys that's that's riding in a car together? Oh, we all live pretty close. It's all uh, pretty much a walking distance, to be honest. And uh, so we pretty much just always just meet there. And uh, yeah, we go from there. Very cool. You know, I got to tell you, I'm kind of jealous because I, I I don't know how much you've heard about our show, but I'm in upstate New York. I know Ryan's in Chicago, so we're spread out all over the country. And uh, I can tell you right now in upstate New York, there are no beaches open. So, <laughs> or, or they are if you want to join the Polar Bear Club, but you know. Yeah, both. You're, you're from Montreal, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm up in Canada too. I'm in Toronto. So it's, it's not oh, beach nice. weather here. It's not beach weather here yet, as you know. Oh, I bet. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Boko, we uh, Jack just mentioned you're from Toronto, so or I mean, I'm sorry, from Montreal. So, how did you get into hockey? Oh, pretty much in Montreal. If you're uh, four or five years old boy, back uh, back in the days, we're for sure playing hockey. It was just uh, hockey was the biggest thing to Montreal Canadians. So I feel like every single kid just play hockey, at least. You know, some of them will eventually drop off as as they went but uh yeah i just i felt like it was just you know it was just sitting there for me so i was just one of those kids at what so point did you sorry scott at what point did you kind of realize that professional hockey would be kind of a realistic option for you uh i would say uh when i was around uh, 14 15 years old because i also played a bunch of uh other sports uh growing up and uh and I was having fun in all of them, but uh, obviously going into midget, then you're, you're, you know, you're talking. They're talking about you know your your ju- junior draft. Us, it was a, it's called the QMJHL, and I feel like that's when uh, things got a little bit more serious on my side. So, what other sports were you playing? So uh, I played, uh, I played football, played some baseball, uh, basketball, uh, played soccer. Uh, my, my dad just threw me uh, everywhere he, he, he could throw me in, so oh, I just did it all growing up. <laughs> and, you know, they say that for, for athletes, that's a great thing to be able to play multiple different sports instead of just concentrating on one from a young age. That way you don't get burned out. Oh, definitely. For me, for me, it was, uh, for me, it was good. Uh, I'm, I'm so grateful to have played uh, multiple sports. And, uh, yeah. And last week we had uh, Alex LaFerriere on the um, third-round pick in this last year's draft and it was it's kind of interesting listening to everyone's story of how they kind of narrowed down to, to hockey because he played lacrosse uh i think he played what other sports did he play guys uh badminton or something like that <laughs> i'm gonna butcher that i but. thought he said tennis i think yeah, he said tennis <laughs> yeah but anyway, this is. I would think I would take tennis before badminton. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Alex, if you're listening. <laughs> oh, that, that's okay. He could be the backyard champion, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, Boko, were you a Canadian fan growing up? Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Montreal has such a, a big impact on uh, every single kid that was, uh, you know, playing the game. 
And, uh, you know, in the city of Montreal, I remember they were just all over the place. You know, everything, it was uh, Montreal Canadian. So you kind of like, you kind of had, had to, to, you know, to be a Montreal Canadian fan growing up. So, yeah. Not much of a choice then, huh? <laughs> yeah, not really. <laughs> uh, Boko, I know that you were drafted in the sixth round 2015 by Tampa Bay. I was just wondering if you could kind of just tell us what that draft process was like. Oh, for sure. Uh Still remember the day. Well, we'll never forget the day, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, it was a special one. Uh, and, uh, you know, that year I was actually not even expecting to uh, be drafted at first because uh, I went not drafted uh, the year before. So uh, my expectations are uh, drop usually for the second year. But, uh, yeah, a couple of days uh, before the draft, I was getting, uh, you know, a bunch of calls. And, uh, you know, my family, we decided to just, you know, jump on uh, on the plane. We made it to the draft. And uh, yeah, I remember it was really special when uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, decided to draft me. Now, you played your junior hockey with the St. John Sea Dogs, correct? Correct, yeah. You know, I got to tell you, the Q has some of the coolest team names ever. I just have to say that. You know, like between the Sea Dogs, uh, I like the, the Shakutami Sanguinines. It's awesome, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, what kind of an impact did the playing for the Sea Dogs have on you going forward? Oh, for sure, it had a big one. Like, uh, like any other players coming out of juniors or out of college, uh, you know, those years are, uh, you know, those years are the are big years in your life, uh, and you know that's when you make the jump from, uh, you know, kind of like being a kid to either uh, jumping pro or, you know, decide to do whatever you want with uh, your life. But for me in St. John, it was really special. I, I think St. John, it's, uh, it's a place that is uh, easy to fall in love to. Uh, the organization was awesome. The fan base, uh, you know, and, you know, we won to on my last year. So obviously it makes things even uh, nicer. But uh, St. John, was, it was definitely a good time. You wore a letter for the last two years there and you're wearing a letter now for the Ontario Reign. What does it kind of mean for you to, um, I guess, don that leadership role for both clubs? I mean, for me, it always came natural, and it just comes with uh, my character, you know, and the way I play on the ice. So uh, it, it always kind of came uh, natural for me. It's definitely uh, an honor when, uh, you know, a pro team can uh, recognize you as a leader as well. But, uh Yeah. How does it feel to be on such like so a young team now? I mean, the the rain have such young players playing with them, like Quentin Byfield and Arthur Kaliev and Alex Turcott that are first year pros. How does that feel to be kind of the leader for that kind of team? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a you know, it, it's definitely a special year for uh, you know for everyone, and I feel like everyone is is kind of on on that learning experience with uh, a COVID season, if I, if I can uh, call it like that. But, uh, you know, for sure to be, uh, you know, one of the leaders and, you know, one of the guys that have to set the example in the room uh, of the ice, uh, like I said earlier, kind of fits my character. So it's uh, it's a little bit more uh, natural to me. But uh, I also remember uh, coming in in the league, I feel like it was not so long ago when I was adapting to the pro life and uh, being in those guys' shoes. So it definitely feels good to to, you know, sh show them uh, what it's like. Kind of jumping back to when you were first, when your rights were kind of first acquired by the Kings, um, I guess, did you have any inclination that you might end up there or kind of just walk us through what that was like? Um, I mean, yeah, for sure. You, well, 
no one expects to be traded, especially as a as a young prospect. You feel like the team that has drafted you don't even you don't know you as much, so you definitely don't expect to be traded. And uh, but yeah, when I found out that I was traded to the Kings, I was so excited. Kings were already a team I was uh, I was looking a lot because they you know they they uh, they were playing my style. They had a lot of uh, you know big gritty forwards that you know hard nose forwards. So I was already. I was already, I, I wouldn't say like a Kings fan, but, you know, they, they were one of the team that I was uh, watching. And when I, you know, when I found out that I was traded there, I was, and I was pretty excited. And, you know, I couldn't wait to, uh, you know, bring my style here and, you know, get going. That's funny that you say that because I, I seem to hear that a lot from uh, a lot of players. You know, Christian Willanen, I uh, recently spoke, it was formally introduced to the media and he kind of had to step back and say, well, bef- before I say anything about the, the Kings, there's no disrespect to Ottawa here, but, you know, he said uh, it's kind of a dream destination to end up in LA. Um, so it's just funny to hear you kind of iterate those same sentiments. Oh yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And, uh, you know, obviously we have, uh, you know, we know people across the league too. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, I, I think LA always, uh, you know, always been one of the top spot. I think so. It's really spe- special to be around here. Well, being able to go to the beach in April helps too, doesn't it? Exactly. Right <laughs> <laughs> in California too, you, you get to, you know, to have the California lifestyle. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> Who's someone on the Ontario Ring roster that's really kind of opened your eyes this year? Oh wow, I could. Uh, I, I could I, I could name you uh, uh, a lot of guys, uh, you know, from the from the young guys uh, to the old guys. But uh, I think for me, it will be a guy like uh, Brad Sauter, you know, our captain, and uh, you know, just all he's bringing on the table. And I know this year was uh, definitely not easy for a guy like him, where you know he was used to, you know, always be uh, the top guy on the every uh, team he played. I remember me being a rookie. He was, you know, probably the the four playing the most minutes. And you know, this year, he, you know, he he has a role to fill, and he's doing just that every single game. And uh, he's just helping me too. He's helping me too to be uh, to be on top of my stuff too. So I will go with uh, Sutter for sure. Excellent. So uh, you see any guys that you're playing against in the AHL now from your uh, junior days, or any r- rivalries renewed? Uh. Say that again, please. So, is there any guys that you were playing against in junior that you're seeing in the AHL now? Uh, like a rivals renewed kind of thing? Yeah, actually, in, in our division, not that, not that much. I feel like there's not many guys from uh, you know the Quebec League around in the, in the Western Division. I feel like they're more uh, down east or uh, you know the Central Division. But there, there's definitely there's definitely a couple guys. There's definitely a couple guys. Uh, that, you know, I, I played junior with, but, uh, you know, on the ice, we don't really, uh, you know, there's, right. there's nothing going on between us on the ice. Well, mostly the most skilled guys, too, so they kind of just leave me alone, I guess. Uh, Boko, I'm, uh, I'm curious. Uh, what, at what point or, or what age in your, like, minor hockey career did you start to decide you were going to incorporate, you know, being kind of like the fighter or the enforcer? into your game and at what age did, did that start to become part of the way you played uh you know to be honest with you it was always uh i would say it was always in me i always played with uh you know that high edge you know phys- uh, physically everything just came natural to me 
uh, even when I was playing football, I was, you know, just trucking guys, uh, you know, during all, the, the whole game. <laughs> yeah, but, hockey, but to answer your question, and hockey actually, you know, came more in uh, my first year in juniors when, you know, fighting was actually allowed. So, and, you know, me being a big, strong guy that was playing hard, obviously it was, you know, challenges were coming and fighting were just uh, coming and I would answer. And, uh, you know, I would do good too. So, you know, then your name start to, to go around a little bit. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, you're just, you're just that guy. So, uh, in, in 2016, 2017, you kind of made, um, enormous strides in your offensive game 41 goals, 14 points for 50, or excuse me, 14 assists for 55 points. What do you kind of attribute to that? Um, I guess, leap in offensive production from the previous season. Uh, you're talking about that season itself? Yeah. Well, for sure it was, I think, yeah, at the time, that was, yeah, that was my uh, overage season in St. John. And, you know, Coach Danny Flynn, he was uh, he was the head coach at the time for the Sea Dogs. And you know what? He just gave me my chance. He just gave me my chance. He gave me a chance to play. He gave me, a, you know, a chance to play on the top lines. He gave me a... Uh, just uh, just a lot of minutes, and uh, you know, I was able to answer and to to grow as a player uh, uh, in that role, and uh, you know, it just uh, it just paid off. I just made sure I was uh, I was doing what I was doing, working hard, and uh, you know, the the goals and all that just came with it. So the rain have had a kind of an up and down season so far. I know the start wasn't probably what you guys have would have wanted, but. Give us like your thoughts on how the season's kind of progressed and throughout throughout so far. I know there's been some tough challenges with COVID, like you mentioned. Well, yeah, like you said, uh, I think early we were just trying to, you know, kind of find our uh, identity uh, as a team. You know, it's not easy when you have uh, uh, a lot of young guys coming in. I think we I think we have uh, 13 new players total. So for sure, like the team is, uh, it's like a complete uh, different team. But uh, as the as the year went, we can. Uh, on our game, and uh, I, I, I think the teams, I think the teams out there, even though our record, our record doesn't, you know, really help us, I would say. But uh, I think the other teams know that uh, uh, we have a young, dangerous group uh, for the ring. So it's uh, like I said, it's a learning experience for us. We're all growing. We're, we're growing into the team that we want to be. But uh, I think uh, I think we have a dangerous group. Coach uh, Robleski's uh, style, or since he's been with the team, his first year with you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Robo's a good coach. He's a great coach. Uh, there's a lot of good, great values that he's bringing to his team. Uh, you know, his energy, uh, uh, the way he approached the game. And uh, for him, too, it's a learning experience. Uh, uh, it's not easy, you know, coming into a new team and, uh, you know, he, he has to kind of like be the saver or, or, or something like that. But I think he's doing a good job as uh, as pushing the boys uh, every night and, you know, just trying to give us the best tool to get better. Uh, that's that's for sure. It, it, by all accounts, it uh, sounds like Coach Robo is a great guy for everybody we talked to. So uh, we got a listener question here for you. Now, this is uh, from Richard Sarabia. And it's it's actually a five part question, but you've <laughs> you've already answered the first part pretty much. So uh, we'll we'll break it down one part at a time here. 
So uh, he wanted to know how you're enjoying your time in California, which we talked about already. Uh, obviously, being able to go to the beach in April is a very nice perk. But uh, he wants to know uh, where your favorite food spot is. My favorite food spots? Yeah. Yeah, so right now uh, with the lockdown, I don't get to, uh, you know, discover uh, as much. So, um, you know, right now I'm, I'm using, uh, you know, DoorDash, Uber Eats. You know, just try to cook it at home right now. So, unfortunately, gotcha. I can't really answer that question. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Eventually, right? Eventually. <laughs> all right. So, uh, part two here, uh, he wants to know, do you like boxing? And if you do, who's your favorite boxer? Yeah, I definitely do uh, love boxing. And right now, uh, the heavyweight division is actually really uh, interesting right now. There's uh, Anthony Drosaroff that I really love watching. Uh, Tyson Fury, I really like that belt. I actually love both of them. So pretty much, you know, just those top heavyweights that I enjoy watching. Very cool. Do you, do you watch any uh, MMA, UFC, Boko? Yeah, uh, I, I will. You know, the big events or, you know, a, a, anyone in the top 10 watching, uh, anyone in the top 10 fighting, excuse, excuse me, I'll, I'll be watching for sure. Do you have a, kind of a favorite fighter at Oh, well, in the MMA right now? Yeah. We love uh, the big uh, Francis Ngannou. Yeah. Yeah, he's just a monster right now. <laughs> he's a brawler. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> oh, so, you know, speaking of all that, here's the last part of Richard's question. So we, we've got it all broken down here. Uh, he wants to know, who is the toughest guy you fought in your whole career? And if you could fight anyone from any time period, who would it be? <laughs> um, well, to me, it's the Gallant, uh, Alex Gallant. There's something with those uh, Gallant brothers. They just, you know, they just. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't like to give. Uh, I don't like to give credit to uh, to uh, other fighters like that. But uh, I'll have to give to give his. I think uh, he's. Uh, I think he's a pretty tough guy, and uh, all time. Well, I mean, I don't know if I would. Love to fight him, but definitely uh, Bob Proberg, just because <laughs> the name that he's carrying. But uh, I don't know if that would be that fun, though. No. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so, you know, just along those lines, I, I there's something I've always kind of wondered. Like, you see, you know, sometimes guys get out on the ice and they just kind of look at each other and the gloves drop. Now, is that kind of like a, an understood thing when, like, uh, one tough guy sees another guy skating out of the ice? You just kind of know it's going to be a go time, or is it a lot of times more spontaneous? Or I, I'm not saying it's pre, you know, predecided, but you, you know where I'm getting at? Yeah, I know where I know where you're getting at, and uh, you know, I feel like it, it. You know, it depends on the situation. So, right. So I don't know. Maybe I threw a hit. Uh, a game before that, you know, the guy didn't like the next game, you know, he's, you know, before the game started, the, in his head, he already know, he already thinking about fighting me or something like that. So, so there's, you know, the, a, a lot goes into uh, fighting. So that's why on my part, I just show up, I just show up every game ready to, you know, ready to battle, ready for whatever. So. Whatever. Well, you're certainly one of the heart and soul guys. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. But, yeah, that's how that's how I just prepare. But uh, yeah, well, to answer your question, actually, it's uh, it's getting less and less stage. I feel like 
I feel like in the previous season, guys were fighting, what, uh, 20 times a year? Somewhere right. There. I think now at eight, nine fights, you're you're the league uh, leader. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's well less, uh, well less stage, I would say. Gotcha. So, uh, Boca, I want to ask you about our pin tweet on the rank royalty. We talked about it before you came on. Uh, it was your fight against uh, Yan Janik of the Tucson Roadrunners. Um, we are a kid-friendly, quote-unquote, podcast. So if you could maybe um, divulge what he said to you, that kind of <laughs> set you off in that manner. Yeah, well, you know, obviously on the clip, you know, we just show, uh, you know, the moment where, uh, you know, everything goes down. But uh, I think we had to lead that game from uh, three goals and. uh you know, there was there was a couple of cheap shots or you know little stuff that was going on prior to that, but it was going on when out when I was not on the ice. So uh, obviously, well, this time I was on the ice, and uh, you know there was you know some little stuff going on, and you know my patient was already you know kind of like at the end, and uh, well, yeah, he decided to uh, uh, send me an invite and. <laughs> 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 You've got mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that, so, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Say, right, go ahead. That, that was maybe the the best response I could have asked for. I'm just telling you how I went down. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so, Boko, take us through a, a game day routine for you. Yeah. So, uh, game day routine. Uh, we get to uh, morning skate. Uh, after morning skates is usually the usual probably pick up uh, my Korean meal at uh, from North Italia nice little Italian restaurant have my pregame at home then uh, you know probably chat with my dad my mom before going for my pregame nap and uh, pregame nap get up shower and uh, maybe a little snack before uh, leaving the house and you know just getting uh, ready for the game you know, those pregame naps are so important because even as a beer league player, I have to take pregame naps. So I can't imagine what it's like for you guys. Uh, right. we, we even take uh, pregame naps here, you know, just watching the game in Chicago yeah. or, <laughs> or up till <laughs> up till like midnight or 1 a.m. watching these games. <laughs> pregame nap, pregame nap are needed for, for anything. Yeah. So, I mean, pregame nap, are you like dedicating a solid like one to two hours to this thing? Oh no, I'm not like that. I, I really, I'm just listening to my body. Sometimes it could be uh, just you know 30 minutes that I need, and you know in that night I have my legs. I'm you know I'm going, and some nights I can be sleeping a, a whole two hours, and yeah, maybe sleeping two hours wasn't it, you know? So, <laughs> Boko, I can tell you when you hit 46, it's going to be at least one or two hours. I will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so you guys got any other questions for? For Boko? Yeah, yeah, I do, Boko. So, um, obviously, uh, the Reign have Akil Thomas, Clinton Byfield, and DSP on there. What does it and there? What does it kind of mean to you? Just kind of seeing all the um, African Canadian, African American um, heritage, just kind of all on one team. You know, it's pretty special uh, to me to see. But I just want to hear it from you. It's definitely special, and. Uh... You know, I don't know how many, you know, those are things that you don't, you don't know how many times it's going to happen in your career. And uh, we, we, we're definitely uh, aware of that. So, 
you know, but we're just taking advantage to the to the situation. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, with COVID and uh, everything going on, we uh, it's hard for us to, uh, you know, get involved in the, you know, maybe in the community, too. Uh, it would have been so awesome. But, you know, we're definitely grateful for this chance. And uh, all four, we have obviously a great relationship. So it just it just makes things uh, even more fun uh, here in L.A. What have you seen kind of from Quentin Byfield and I'll even throw in Akil Thomas as well. I guess, what have you liked about their game since the day one, since they joined you guys and to where they are right now? Well, well, for sure. We, we, we all knew that they were, you know, highly uh, skilled players, but uh, what really uh, actually, you know, uh, impressed me is their competitive level. Like those are two guys that, you know, they're putting in the work to get better. Like they know that, you know, they're not, they're not just sitting on their, you know, their past success or, or, or stuff like that. You know, every day they're showing up, you know, with a chip on their shoulder and uh, they're getting ready uh, to work. And, you know, they're growing as uh, professionals too. So, you know, in a couple of years when they, they'll be able to, you know, add some definition to their bodies, they'll be, I think they'll be super special. And then just to kind of uh, wrap, unless unless anyone else has uh, another question here, um, it's a very cliche question, and typically you get a cliche answer. But when you get the call up to the NHL, what's that moment going to mean for you, Boko? Uh, well, for sure, it, it will mean everything. It will, it will mean my whole life. You know, you you know, you you dedicate uh, all your all those years. You know, to kind of like. You know, to hope to make your dream, to make your dream happen. So, you know, been been waiting there for for this, uh, you know, for a long time. Just uh, you know, staying patient with it. Uh, you know, keep working, but uh, it will definitely uh, mean everything for me. Well, actually, I said one more question for you, for you, Boko. Um, so going back to you said, you know, you were growing up in Montreal. Was was there any one player in particular, whether it was with the Habs or another team who you really enjoyed watching or kind of tried to model your game after? Uh, I wouldn't say model my game after, but uh, growing up, Daniel Cavalier was just a, uh, it was just like a legend uh, back home in Montreal. So he was kind of like the guy that I looked up to, uh, you know, I knew his numbers, you know, I was just, every time he scored a goal, like, uh, you know, kind of like the whole city pretty much knew him. So Vanilla Cavalier had a big impact, but uh, I wouldn't obviously I wouldn't say I try to model my game so that must have been extra cool to get drafted by Tampa then as well if you if you grew up watching the Cavalier. It was. Yeah. It was. They, they had a they had a lot of uh, French uh, hockey players that, you know, had uh, were good time players there. Marty Saint Louis too, too guy from Quebec that uh, had a great career there. So yeah. Boko, how many languages do you speak? So I would say two and a half. So I would say okay. French, English, and uh, you know my parents speak uh, Lingala is their is their foreign country in uh, Congo. The so I, I can't really speak it, but I still have family there, uncles, stuff like that. You know, they, when they gave me a call, you know, sometimes like that's what they speak to me. You know, I just you know try to like you know answer back or you know, but they understand French too, so I'm able to just answer back in French. So well, merci beaucoup for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, 
Well, that's uh, that's very that's that's awesome, Boko. And, and like I said, we we just really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to talk to us. Uh, this has been a real real treat, a real pleasure for us. Uh, and we just want to we want to wish you luck the best of the rest of the season, and uh, we know we're going to see you up in LA pretty soon too. So, just uh, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks to you guys. Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, All Boko. Right. Thanks so much, man. Keep it up. See you guys. All right, keep yeah. up the great work, buddy. Thank you. That's Boko Mama, everybody. That was awesome. What a that great day. Yeah, it's awesome. That was yeah. really, really cool. And I'll tell you, you know, it, it seems like, he had, you know, last year he had a big impact with the rain. This year he's having an even bigger impact. So, I mean, he's definitely on the right trajectory. There's no doubt about it. Well, I can imagine being an assistant captain on a team with 13 new faces on it. That's That's a lot of work in terms of leadership capability. So, they got the right people, and it's good to hear him uh, say Brent uh, mentioned Sutter's name as well. That was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I didn't yeah. expect that answer, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it'd be one of the young kids, for sure. Yeah, and it's cool to get a little insight on how uh, Byfield and Akil Thomas are. And it's good to hear that competitive uh, competitive side that they both that they both have and their willingness to get better, even better than they are. So it's good to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some... Uh... The, the, the Kings draft picks are definitely trending up. So speaking of draft picks, Russell, I know there is something that you want to talk about. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Uh, uh, Bob McKenzie, the TSN Hockey Insider, he released his uh, today he released his uh, midseason draft rankings for the upcoming draft. Kind of go over it a little bit. I can just name uh, the top 10 for the number one overall pick, or number one overall on his list was Owen Power, the University of Michigan uh, defenseman product. And then you go down, it's Dylan Gunther, number two, Simone Edmondson. He had actually had Gunther and Edmondson uh, ranked number two, uh, tied for number two. And then uh, four is Matty Beneers, Luke Hughes. Oh, well, he got out, so I will finish that list for him. And when he comes back, he can continue talking about it. So at number six, he's got right defenseman Brant Clark. Number seven, William Eklund, left winger. Uh, number eight, he's got center Kent Johnson. Number nine, Chaz Lucius, I think it's how it's pronounced. And number 10 is Jesper Wallstedt, the uh, Swedish goalie. Uh, so uh, I guess I know he wanted to talk about this. So the Kings can actually, at this point, they are number seven as far as worst team in the league, points-wise. So, uh, Russ, I just set the stage for you. I finished off the list, and um, we're at number seven as far as being worst in the league, point-wise. So, uh, yeah. I didn't continue on, my friend. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know where I left off, but uh, then you have at number six is Brent Clark. You have William Eklund yeah. at number seven, uh, Kent Johnson, Chad Lucius, Chaz Lucius, and Jesper Wallstead. But just to kind of go over that a little bit further, I know, Scott, you mentioned that the Kings would be ranked or uh, drafting number seven if the season ended today. Um, just to kind of looking at what the Kings have in terms of their prospects right now and what they might be looking toward adding uh, when it comes draft time. I think there's three players that I really like here. I know Owen Power is the consensus number one. I've actually, with it's interesting with this draft, it's been, you see a lot of different top 10 rankings and the, a lot of names kind of jumbled around. Um, Owen Power is definitely a name that would love to see on the Kings uh, with, I don't know if they'll be able to draft him with a, as high as he's been touting, but um, another name I really like in terms of the Kings is Kent Johnson. Uh, I, I kind of want to compare him to this year's uh, Tim Stutzla. He's got a lot of flash to his game. He's a high scoring forward. Um, he's, he's a little, a lot of highlight real plays that he's able to make. And he's one of the older players in this draft. So, 
when you're looking for a player then for the Kings to add the, for a team that's looking to kind of transition toward being a contender as far as not rebuilding, Ken Johnson is definitely a player I'd be looking to add. Um, it's, it's someone who'd be able to make an impact on an NHL roster sooner rather than later. And that's, I think, what the Kings have been lacking. And being a left shot uh, forward, uh, the Kings don't have too many left wingers right now. I think Arthur Kaliev is one of the probably the best left winger that they have. Um, Ken Johnson is a player I'd definitely be looking to add. Um, another one, Luke Hughes. That's another young player. Um, definitely one of the Hughes brothers uh, along that lineage. Um, he's another. He's a left uh, shot defenseman. Um, the thing with Hughes, though, for this year, he's only 17 years old. So that's a kid that probably won't be making strides into the NHL uh, sooner rather than later. Um, but he's got a lot of skill to his game, and we've seen what the other Hughes brothers are able to do uh, in the NHL right now. And then uh, third, another player I'd be looking at is Simone Edvinson. I know here Bob McKenzie has him ranked at the number two, um, but I've seen him as low as 10 or even lower to 13. Um, a lot of comparisons I've seen in Edmonton's game is Victor Hedman. Um, you're talking about a six foot, six foot um, four defenseman, left shot D. Kings don't have a lot of left shot defensemen really in their pipeline. I mean, you think Cole Holtz is probably the only real um, maybe NHL talented prospect that they have in the Ontario reign. Um, they are really stacked on the right side. So that's uh, another player I'd probably be looking to add if I were the Kings. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Russell, you talk about a year, you might just be able to throw most of the mock drafts out the window. It, it might be this year. I mean, teams value players differently already. And after a year like this, where there's barely been a junior season and, and you know, who knows what's going to happen. It's certainly possible a guy like him could, could drop to where the Kings are. Um, and, you know, that being said, as far as who, who they should take, I know it's always kind of a, not necessarily the smartest strategy to, to draft for need, but I do really feel like, you know, you look at their, their first round picks the last few years, it's, it's been pretty much all forwards aside from Bjornfoot. And I, th- I think their, their farm system certainly is getting a little, a little top heavy in terms of forwards. And, you know, I would love to see, you know, a, a young defenseman like a, a Luke Hughes or, or a Brant Clark, you know, added, even if you do have to wait a couple years for Hughes, uh, I think that's okay. Any word on which one of these guys is the closest to being NHL ready? Uh, I would say probably Owen Power. Um, he he's probably going to he's going to be finishing up another year in college for the University of Michigan. Um, and but the same thing with Kent Johnson, and that's kind of what I was looking for those two players. Because Liz, if you're looking at the Kings, as I mentioned, they're looking for players that are going to make impact sooner rather than later. And if you're going to be drafting the top ten. I don't know how many. I mean, we, we see what uh, Jamie Drysdale, Drysdale is doing in Anaheim. He's making impacts right now, whether it be positive or negative. At least he's getting NHL playing time. Um, and he was just drafted in the 2020 draft just recently as a sixth overall pick. So um, there there is NHL talent able to be found in the top 10 that will make an impact in the next in the next season, almost is what I would say. So. Ken Johnson is definitely a player I'd be looking toward, but if they're able to maybe find Owen Power, if he even falls to him, that's another player I'd definitely be looking to add. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I, I gotta, you know, I, thinking about all this, and you know how the previous episodes we've talked about all the cap space that the Kings have going into this offseason, and that they're probably gonna end up, you know, making at least one big trade, right? Because the free agent market is not gonna be able to produce both that left winger and that left defense when they need. So it kind of makes you wonder is if this pick isn't in play for a trade. It's interesting. I know I sent you guys something along the lines of top 10 picks being traded. It's it's very rare. I, I can't recall the last time it happened. I know it was a few years ago, but 
it doesn't happen too often, but it, with a unique situation that the Kings are in, I know they're, they're looking to add. I mean, we, we can all agree on that, that this summer is, is definitely important in terms of the future of this franchise. So is it in play? If it's, I would say if it's a late top 10 pick, definitely. I would definitely say it's in play, especially if they're looking to make that Jack Eichel trade. So um, why not? I mean, if you're going to be trying to get a player like Jack Eichel or just any type of uh, – high quality player, whether it be Erasmus Dahlin, we can go down that line again, but um, yeah, why, why not make, make that move and kind of start uh, the rebuild or end the rebuild and start getting a contention mode. You know who I think the last top 10 pick might've been to be traded that I can think of is, is the Leas Anderson pick from Arizona to, to New York. Yeah. Like the seventh overall pick or something I think it was. Yeah. That's what right. about the, the uh, what about Cal McCarr and then uh that yeah. Kelvin ready to chuck situation. And then even like uh, uh, this year with uh, Stutzel. He was San Jose's pick, correct? Yeah, but those were more like kind of accidental, I think. Like, I think right. San Jose, oh, okay. I see what you when, mean. Right. when San Jose traded that pick, I don't think they were planning on drafting yeah. third. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they would love to take really? that back, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Another another thing I'll go into uh, in terms of this draft. Uh, I don't I don't think I don't foresee it happening with the Kings or this player joining the Kings. But an interesting name that's in the top ten here is Jesper Wallstedt. He's a goalie out of Sweden, and I've seen uh, rankings having him as high as number one overall. So it's very interesting. To, that's a very very good goaltender. Um, we saw Yaroslav Askarov go um, pretty high to Nashville last year. So. Um, look for Jesper Wallstedt. He played, I believe he was the goalie during, for the Swedish team during the World Junior Championship that just recently, this last year. So he'll probably make another impact uh, for that team uh, next year. Um, but it's it's interesting, Jack. You mentioned drafting in terms of need. Um, from a King standpoint, probably my favorite player in this draft is Matthew Berniers. I mean, you watch that. You watch him play. And he was he was very uh, – or he's – he was very impactful on the World Junior Championship team for Team USA. I mean, he's got a motor. This kid's got a motor to him. And he's all over the ice, all on top of the forecheck. And I've seen a lot of comparisons to Pat, uh, Patrice Bergeron for him. So if the Kings are if the Kings uh, draft like where he's at in the top four and or he falls to them, that's – I know we have a lot of centers on the team already, but that's someone that would be hard to pass up. Well, I think you would definitely be getting into yourself to a spot where you would have to trade some prospects then, for sure. I mean, even more so than they already are right now. Prospects or draft capital to get that kind of young, dynamic defenseman. Oh, you'd yeah. Have to, you'd have to trade out. You know, if you're going to take an offense, another offensive prospect, you'd really mm-hmm. have to go get that um, Rasmus Dahlin and Everyone just mutes Scott and Russell right now, so we can't have this <laughs> damn argument again. Um, uh, but you know what I'm saying. <clears throat> that was uh, funny. I know uh, Jay Fresh uh, Hockey, the guy we had on uh, a couple episodes. He he tweeted out something today in terms of uh, defensive, offensive input impact or something along the lines. And it, I mean, it, it's something we all knew that the Kings were probably one of the bottom teams in that. So. Adding some more offense defense on the defensive end wouldn't hurt, but it's good to have uh, Matt Roy coming back. That's for sure. Oh, and yeah, and Todd McClellan was just oh, no asked. Doubt. Yeah, I believe it was by Jim Fox asked him today how um, Todd can achieve more offensive production out of his uh, blue line, and I think right now it's just kind of a personnel thing. But you know, 
Todd gave him his answer, but <laughs> uh, he's working with what he has. Yeah, I mean, we all know the positive impact that Matt Roy has on the team overall. You know, he's also not someone who puts up a ton of points from the back end. And, you know, when, when Curtis McDermott spent most of the years with your second most even strength goals or points or whatever it is from your back end, like, we know that's a problem. So at some point, whether you're getting those guys through the draft or you're trading for them, they are going to have to bring in some some offensive talent to their blue line eventually. Guys, just real quick, with Matt Roy back into the yeah, fold. Yeah, you know, the thing with a guy like Matt what do you guys picture the back of the blue line looking like now? Hmm. Yeah. Let me give you I, my answer. Yeah. <laughs> Here's my answer. So obviously the top pairing doesn't change. You got Matt Roy on the second pairing. I'm going to put, assume, assuming he's still out, uh, I'm going to put Kale Clegg on the second line in place of Tobias Bjornfoot. I think you got to keep Christian Willannon up with the NHL roster. You know, you made a trade for him. He's a restricted free agent at the end of this year. You got to figure out what you have in him. Um, obviously, then Sean Walker is your um, third pairing on the on the right side, and then um, Curtis McDermott becomes your seventh defenseman. Or when Bjornfoot comes back, you got to figure out what you want to do. If you want to send Clay back down. Or if you want to put McDermott on waivers, or but that's kind of my thoughts. Yeah, I, I don't want to send send Clegg back down. You know, I, I you know I don't want to see him sitting for Ole Mata or Curtis McDermott. You know, well, I just, and yeah, I, Jack, I Jack, see... you just mentioned I forgot Ole Mata in that whole mess too. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah like I just you know I, you know you got you got to play the kids a bit here. You know, Cal Clegg, someone who I think deserves an opportunity. He's played well, I think, lately in, in a limited, you know, capacity. And I, I would not like to see him taking out a line if he's someone I'd like to see playing for the rest of the season. And, you know, if that means you gotta put McDerm- McDermott on waivers or, you know, you gotta sit Mata. I know he's making a lot of money, but you know, so be it. I don't want to see I don't want to see Clyde coming out of the lineup. Yeah, I'm with you, Jack. I mean, I tweeted out something that uh, when Kale Clegg and Matt Roy were paired together, they were one of the better drivers of play on the team. And, and that's all defensive pairings. So I don't I don't see with, with Matt Roy coming back, I don't see how you can split those two up. I'd like to see Kale Clegg and Matt Roy get back together. As far as the third pairing, like you mentioned, you can't have Ole Mata be playing over a, a Tobias Bjornfoot or Kale Clegg, especially right now. I think you have to put Tobias Bjornfoot back in the lineup with Sean Walker. And I think they complement they would complement each other pretty well. I think we kind of see Tobias Bjornfoot as not really much of an offensive kind of defenseman, but Sean Walker does have that offensive capability. So it would be cool to, with each pairing, you kind of have that offense and defense on each side. You have Mikey Anderson with Drew Doughty. We know what Doughty brings and we know what Mikey brings. And then you have Matt Roy, Steady Eddie paired with Kale Clegg. Kale Clegg has been proven to be pretty good in terms of driving the offensive play. So, and now you have Toby with uh, Sean Walker. That's a, that's a pretty solid defensive six. And I, it's, I mentioned in the last episode that's that's a defensive six that I wouldn't I wouldn't be disappointed if they went into the next season having and if I know there's been some talk as far as the expansion draft he, there's no way that the Kings can lose Kale Clegg in the expansion draft there's no way they spent way too much time developing that player he's a former second round pick that's someone they have to keep I'm sure we'll, well touch I... on I'm sure we'll touch on this in an, an entire episode the expansion draft but just real quick off the cuff would you guys rather protect eight skaters or go the seven forwards three defensemen route 
That's a good question. I, I, I have to look a little closer at, at who's all eligible and all that. Because the only way you can protect leg is if you go with the eight skaters. Yeah. So I've looked into this. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on the eight skaters, one goalie. So this is so this is this is where it happens. So let's say they do go the seven, three, and one. Um, if you go seven, three, and one, you lose a Kale Clegg. That's that's pretty much what was happening because you won't be able, you'll only be able to protect three, and the three defensemen they'll be protecting are Drew Doughty, who has no movement clause, Matt Roy, and then Sean Walker. You, you I mean, we can debate Sean Walker, but that's a a contract that. Seattle would snap up in a heartbeat. You'd, you'd take a two point six million dollar offensive young defenseman like that you'd, to build around. That's that's something easily they would take. So you got to protect Sean Walker. But if you do go to the eight the eight skaters route, you're going to end up losing a player like maybe Dustin Brown. You probably have to leave him unprotected. I don't. I just. But I just don't see Seattle taking Dustin Brown at one year left. And there's probably no possibility they maybe want to resign there. I just don't see it happening. But you either lose Dustin Brown, Andreas Athanasiu, uh, maybe a Trevor Moore, Carl Grundstrom. And I think you'd probably have to protect Elias Anderson. I think there's still some uh, potential there, and that's a player. So um, it's re- the question really is, is do you want to lose a Kale Clegg and keep um, maybe a Carl Grundstrom or even a Dustin Brown or an Andreas Athanasiu? Or do you want to protect Kale Clegg and leave those skaters uh, unprotected? And that's kind of where the Kings, I guess, puzzle is at right now. Yeah, you know, I remember uh, the Vegas expansion draft a few years ago, and it was like, so the Kings are basically either going to lose Trevor Lewis or Braden McNabb. It's like, eh, okay. <laughs> and this year, <laughs> it sounds like, you know, we might lose someone, you know, who, who hurts a little bit more than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's – it's. I, I like Sean Walker. I like his game. I like I like him a lot. But, I mean, it, to me, Cal Clay can almost be basically a younger version of him. Even, I mean, even though Walker's only like 26 years old, right? So right. if the Kings were to lose him, it wouldn't be the end of the world, to be honest with you. I mean, as much as I like like his game and all that, like I said. Um, so it, I, I, I don't know. I, I still think maybe that eight skaters is the way to go. They could definitely risk losing a forward as opposed to a defenseman because they're so loaded at forward throughout the prospect system um, and really roster-wise. So, but we're also not at the expansion draft yet, and trades have not yet been made. So, we'll yeah, see and that's the thing. I think with, with Scott Walker, um, if the Kings do want to move him, which which I actually wouldn't be opposed to in the off season, they'd probably be more than trade, more than ex- leaving him unprotected. Because, like I mentioned, that that contract was definitely is not not that bad when you look at it. I think it's three years left at two point six million dollars. So that's that's something that teams would. Um, like to have, especially with the flat cap situation going on. So uh, there's there's some trade value to the player like like Sean Walker. He brings a lot of offensive capability, and he's got uh, he's got he's still young. So um, I think that's something that they could move on a trade as before they end up losing him in the expansion draft. What do you think we'd have to give Seattle to get them to to take? Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> the way Vegas and Pittsburgh did with Flurry. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could all Honestly, I wouldn't give Seattle anything to take anybody. And I think uh, I think with this expansion draft, you're going to see a lot of GMs learn their lesson from the Vegas draft. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, 
I think I, I don't know who mentioned maybe it was Pierre LeBron, but I know somebody mentioned that teams have definitely learned from the last draft and the I mean, look at what the Panthers did when they gave him Riley Smith and Jonathan Marsh or so and the Ducks gave him Shea Theater for nothing. I mean, it's just look at Minnesota. That yeah, and that team was just William built. Carlson. Like it was yeah. just <laughs> Yeah, it was just great players were just handed to them and now everyone's wondering why they're so good. It's like, well, <laughs> Well, look in the it, mirror. It begs the question: Like, why does nobody ask? Why are why are they exempt from the expansion draft? <laughs> they absolutely should not be. They I've seen be. that because floating they around. Five hundred million to get in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've seen that floating around on Twitter. It's just like that's a great question. Why are they exempt? Yeah, it's funny. No one was answering that, asking that question when they were in the expansion draft, and then they made the Stanley Cup final, and everyone was like, "Wait a minute, what's going yeah. on here?" It's not- <laughs> So, yeah, it's definitely something that people would be upset about. Well, at the time, it made sense. So, like, okay, you know, this team, they, they might still be building. It's not totally fair. But now it's like they've been great all four years. They're loaded. They could afford to lose somebody. <laughs> in the draft. Yeah, right. They'd be okay. Yeah, well, with their you salary know, cap breakdown, I'm sure they wouldn't mind either. Right. Yeah. And so when they have players like Alex Tuck, who's on like a $4.5 million deal for three more years, it just makes me – uh, just that team's just so stacked, and it's going to be hard to usurp them. I can't if I'm saying that word right in the West Division. Well, and the thing you got to remember about that expansion draft too, it wasn't even so much that the players that they were able to draft; it was the assets that they received to not draft certain players and, and all that, which is why they were able to parlay that into guys like Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo. Uh, well, not so much Alex Petrangelo because he was a free agent signing, but. They were able to make the room to, to get, you know, uh, trade Nate Schmidt out to, to make the room to get him. So there was a lot to that. And uh, like I said, I don't think that mistake gets made again. So, but anyways, um, looks like our time uh, for this podcast is coming to an end. Uh, we want to thank Boko Amama for coming on once again. It was a great guest, a great guy. And, um, well, there's no Kings game tonight, but there is tomorrow night against our hated rival, the Anaheim Ducks. So, uh, Let's tune in for that, and um, let's hold on to our very, very slim playoff hopes. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with that said, uh, for Jack Weber, for Ryan Sykes, for Russell Morgan, I'm Scott Kinville. Thanks for listening, and everybody go Kings go. Go See Kings. Guys. See you guys.